Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. It's time to talk the world's game from an American perspective. Presented by Three Lions Pub, you're listening to Two Up Front, where we focus on all things American soccer, from the NWSL, MLS, U.S. national teams, and all the way to the youth levels. Now in the studio, your hosts, Baxter Colburn and Simon Provan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub here at the Attention Era Media Studios. I am Baxter Colbert. And this is Simon Provan. A very good Wednesday to you, Simon Provan. How are we doing today, sir? I'm doing all right, Baxter. How about yourself? Not too bad. It's yeah. been a good day so far. I got a free T-shirt uh, earlier today, and uh, life is good. Who's the, who's the free T-shirt from? Uh, from the father of my co-host for the morning show that I do on ah, Sports. Okay. So we all have right, a saying cool. on the show that cool. says, Yes, Drama. And he sent us shirts that now say Yes, Drama on them. So... <laughs> He was like, don't open it until you're on the air. So got that uh, got that little present this morning. Nice. So I was like, nice. a free T-shirt? Why not? Sure. It's a good day to be alive. So we're, uh, we got a great show for you folks today. We're going to be joined by Brian Dunseth of Sirius XM FC in our second segment. And then we're actually going to uh, show the taped interview that we did with Tesha Wackendelli as well, too, from FC Dallas. A good friend of the show. He was on... Lord, when was he on? Probably seven, about six months six, ago. Six, seven months yeah. ago, basically. We've had him on, Kellen Acosta, Walker Zimmerman, great folks from the FC Dallas clan. So shout out to FC Dallas for uh, providing us with fantastic interviews. So I'm excited to, to see the interview again. Um, I know in the moment you kind of forget some of the things you talk about and ask, but overall, though, Tesho, just class act. Class act. You know, the last time he was on was uh, after they won the U.S. Open Cup. So we've yeah. had him on after the Open Cup. We had him on after the uh, 2-1 win in CONCACAF Champions League. So it's a good record we have going with him. But, yeah, great uh, Honest man, you yeah. know, great, great character. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful to talk to him. So make sure you uh, stay tuned to the show and, and check out that interview. Absolutely. And, of course, if you do ever miss our show live, you can get it here on the Bruce Sports Network by going to brewsportsnet.com. You can also catch our show on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com, and by going to our website, TwoUpFrontSoccer.com as well. And check us out on Facebook, Two Upfront Soccer. You can also find our videos on yes. demand at Bruce Sports on Facebook. And, of course, you can check us out on Twitter at Two Upfront Soccer. He's at Baxter Colburn. I'm at Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. Big news in Major League Soccer. Uh, will it happen? Will it not happen? It finally did happen. Uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger announcing that he's leaving Manchester United and he will be signing this summer, not right now, this summer, with the Chicago Fire. So it's officially happening. It is uh, $4.5 million for one year plus a year option on that. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on it, and then I'll share, you, share with you my thoughts, Baxter. Well, I, he's one of those players that is, is a household name. I think even if you're a the casual soccer fan, you still have heard of the last name Schweinsteiger, maybe just because some people are like, oh, that's a silly last name. But for those that are soccer fans... No, it actually fans, it, it translates into pig farmer. Does it really? It really does. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, there you go. So Bastion Pig Farmer is coming to, uh, to Major League Soccer. Well, at least he's coming to the Midwest. It fits. That makes more sense. You know, if he had gone to like a team in Iowa or something, he'd be like, there you go. Like, this is a match made in heaven. Chicago maybe is not a, a pig farming hub of the United States, but I think it's a good move overall. I think he brings the – I mean, he's 32 years old. I think he is younger than some of the other DPs we've seen uh, that have come to the league before. He's not a pure low um, he's, a, he's a leader. He's a World Cup winner. Uh, he knows what it takes to be successful in soccer, and I think uh, he'll be able to translate that over to some of those younger guys like David Akam and others that are still trying to find their way in Major League Soccer. And ultimately, I think he'll be a good thing for the league. He'll be a good thing for Chicago Fire, and it might actually make them a potential playoff contender as well. Yeah, my, my take on this, Baxter, is that he's, he is 32, but we know he's injury-prone. So that's actually what it comes down that to is, is can thing. he stay healthy? He's been injured throughout the years. Uh, of course, he has been playing at Manchester 
Manchester United. So maybe he gets some extra rest on those legs and he comes in a little bit healthier than, than you would uh, otherwise expect. I think it is a good addition. I think it allows Dex and uh, Janino to basically do the work for him right. and, and that they, the fire can actually use him as perhaps a, a withdrawn forward or, or a, a second forward and actually allow him to play in that offensive position. So I, I do think overall, if he stays healthy, it is a, a good addition to the club. And plus, let's not deny the fact that it's all about marketing as well. Oh, absolutely. And it doesn't help to dispel the notion that MLS is a retirement league, which we don't agree with. Yes, they get some of those older superstars in, but they also have a very a lot of very young DPs in the league right now. Well, you're right. That that's the thing too is we've seen this shift even the last what maybe three or four sure, years with sure. these younger DPs. Like I think they said the average DP age that was signed this last offseason I think was 25 and a half. Well, and on top of that, you know, when Brian was on the show last time, he made a great point about the targeted allocation money allowing teams right. to bring in younger players and 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 fill out more of that roster than just having to spend all the money offensively. Uh, in this case, we see a Chicago Fire team take away that, that 4-0 meltdown they had versus Atlanta United, who's just uh, incredible, that's, especially for an expansion say team. That's a whole other conversation. Right. I but, don't even uh, know what to do with them. But, but I, think, I think Chicago is a lot stronger this year. We're, we're seeing that for the most part, and, yes. and this is a great addition to the team. This is now the 11th World Cup winner to come to Major League Soccer as well. I mean, he joins good company. He joins Denelson, Thierry Henry, uh, some of the other guys. Let's see here. Alessandro Nesta, David Villa, of course, Pirlo, Kaká. You just, the list kind of goes on and on. So he's in good company, and it's obviously we don't have droves and droves of you know World Cup winners that are coming. But at the same time, it's still good to get that experience in because ultimately that's what some of these younger players are trying to do for their own countries. Well, and I think I think he will add an addition of excitement possibly up top. I know he's mainly used in the midfield, but as I said before, I think we'll see him up top a bit. Uh, if anything, it's going to be exciting to see what him and Namada Nikola can do right. for the fire together. That is definitely going to be one thing to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, Kurt on Facebook says, looking great, guys. I love to listen to you too, but I have no idea what you are ever talking about. <laughs> I guess I just need to tune in to learn more. Exactly, Kurt. Just tune in more. You will learn all you need to know about the soccer world. But we do appreciate you watching, of course, so thank you for that. Uh, what else is, what did we need to talk about well, here? Well, staying local now. So we were That's talking true. Chicago. We're going to shift back up here to Milwaukee. For those of you who don't know, we are based in Milwaukee, and we do have a, a major arena soccer league team here called the Milwaukee Wave. They're actually the longest-running consecutive uh, professional soccer team in the United States. Very impressive. And uh, they ended up losing last night in the Eastern Conference Finals of the MASL. They, they lost Game 1, came back to Milwaukee, won last night 8-4. to four. The way the MASL, were, MASL works, it's still hard to say it all is. of that. It's a lot of letters. Uh, is that they, if, the game, if the series is tied after two games, it's not aggregate. They play basically a 15-minute overtime or 15-minute minigame, as they right. like to call it. So a minigame three... You and I both watched the game a bit on, mm -hmm. on YouTube, at so least most that, of that the mini game. Period, yeah. yeah, and uh, it was uh, not a lot of scoring. Finished two-one. Very disappointing for the Wave because they were holding Baltimore Blast quite well in the uh, in the final third of the field or, or court, whatever you want to call it. And uh, they ended up basically gifting Baltimore a goal. Deflection off of a defender sent the Wave's goalkeeper the other way. Goes in the goal. One-zero. Yep. Two minutes left in the extra game. And Wave ties it up Phenomenal with a great goal. goal by Marco Leite. And then uh, Wave kind of Second, falls asleep. Seconds later. Yeah, I think 30 like. seconds later, Baltimore Blast scores that game-winning goal, and that, that was it. So uh, congratulations to the Wave on a season that they started out very slow but ended up making it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. And we'll see what happens next year for them, Baxter. I think realistically, too, we've had you know Coach Oliveira, and we've had Ian Benedon, we've had different folks that are associated with the Wave organization over the last couple of months the expectation wasn't incredibly high coming into the season. We knew coaches like, we want to win. That's why they made so, so many off-season moves. Right. But they struggled in the beginning. They were sitting in fourth place, fifth place in their division, and then they just went on this tear to finish out the season, which ultimately, if there's ever a time to go on a tear, it's the end of the season going into the playoffs. And I think the Milwaukee Wave are, should be absolutely ecstatic about how their season finished. Well, and here's the way you look at their offseason. Is, is first of all, they brought in a lot of Canadian national futsal team did, players yep. to the team. And on top of that, uh, at least I think six or seven of these guys are going to be playing in the summer with the Milwaukee Torrent. So that chemistry is going to be uh, gelled throughout the year. It's going to be worked on throughout the year. So I do think next year the Wave starts out a lot stronger. 
And maybe we see them make it all the way to the finals and perhaps win their first championship since, I think, 2012. It's been a long time, that's for sure. But I think overall you have to commend Coach Oliveira, what he did with the squad this year. You could tell the guys, just Max Ferdinand, Ian Bennett, the, Drew Ruggles, was, they, were, they were feeling it this year. They, I think they, they were truly bought in, especially with you know, that, that surge at the end. But you know, Ian Bennett, as we've talked about, both with the Wave and the Torrent, just a goal-scoring machine. And ultimately he had to do that down the stretch. And... Just wasn't enough at the end, though. And, and speaking of Max Ferdinand, that was a tough injury. They they lost Max about Took two minutes ball into to the, the face, ball to the like? ball to the eye. They actually had to take him back into the medical room. He never came out, no. so I uh, don't know how he's doing. So our best wishes to Max Ferdinand. But I, I believe he was the Waves' leading assist yes. uh, player. So you certainly would have liked to have seen him be able to finish out that mini game, and maybe it ends up a different way. And I was just going to say, who knows how that game ends, honestly, if you've got a guy like Max Ferdinand out there dishing the ball around. Because the Wave literally were just coming in droves. They were you know, washing over the defense to try to find some sort of a bad water pun to, to say that they were attacking, basically. Uh, but a little unfortunate for them in the, in the final end there for them. Uh, we're going to get to Brian Dunseth here in just a brief moment. Uh, one of the other final things I wanted to ask you about briefly is, it's almost a two-part question. I was going to ask you about one team, but I really want to ask you about two. Are Portland and Atlanta for real? Because they just seem to both be on tears right now. Portland is just dismantling every single team they play. Atlanta, as you mentioned briefly earlier, has ne we've never seen this from an expansion team before as well, too. How real are both of these teams right now? Well, I think Portland... Uh Obviously, the only team in the league that has three wins out of three games, so yeah. they're sitting on nine points. I think Portland is for real. And, and the main reason I say that, Baxter, is this game against Houston on Saturday night. Yeah. They go down 2-1, to one, heading into half. I mean, Houston gets that goal right before halftime uh, and puts them ahead 2-1. to one. And again, we see Elise and Quioto once again playing great for Houston. Mm-hmm. Most teams, when that happens, the momentum gets away from them, and they come totally out very shifts. flat in the second half. Well, well, they come out, total belief, and they tear Houston apart. And Houston has been playing great soccer this season. Yeah, I think I even took Houston in this game, too. I was like, it's going to be you, a dogfight. I think you took a draw. Did I take, take a draw? A draw. Okay, well. well, whatever the case may be, listen, Guzman in the midfield, or Guzman, Guzman yeah. in the midfield for Portland, I believe has been their most important pickup at least early in the season here. Uh, the way he connects with Adi is, is exactly just about what you want. I was to say, Fernando Adi has been on another level, too. And so has Diego Valeri. Four goals, two assists in three games. So he is, he's your very early season MVP pick, if we're being honest. I completely agree uh, with you. So, yes, is, is Portland for real? Absolutely they are. You know, they go to L.A. They, they end up winning in L.A., that Minnesota United game, say what you want, 5-1 scoreline. Bit of a wash. Uh, but at the same time, we see Minnesota United. Who do they get their first two goals against? The team that's supposed to be the best on yeah. defense. Kyle, or not their first two, but they actually get a, their, their first, first time points. scoring two goals yeah. and their first points in the league against the Colorado Rapids. Atlanta United, Joseph Martinez, that's, that's all you need to know. Are they for real? <laughs> How can you say they're not for real? Maybe Brian has different thoughts on that for us, but... Uh, what an exciting team. They have, they have lived up to expectations in their early season back Yes, there. I completely agree. I mean, if you're, if you're Houston and Portland, I mean, there's really been just this. These two teams, I think, have been so surprising, and, and you can kind of see the highlights that they're running right now, too. I mean, just an absolutely electrifying game. I mean, if this was Houston-Portland last year, we would have both probably taken Portland by probably plus three, honestly, just because Houston was atrocious last year. But the offseason moves that have been made have definitely benefited the Dynamo. I think they're going to learn from this game. I really do. I do. And, and, of course, I want to keep talking about Portland. Defensively, I'm actually quite impressed with Portland and, and how together they are in the back. They don't have Liam Ridgewell in there. They do have Roy Miller, who's also been a great pickup from Saprissa. Right. And, and of course, uh, Vitas and uh, Valentine have filled in great. Elvis Powell. They're taking chances with Powell as he likes to run up the field, so they do get a bit exposed in the back, and we saw Houston take advantage of that. But, but with the firepower that Portland has up front, it's kind of a wash. You're right. Three Lions Pub in Milwaukee, Wisconsin is just the place for me. They've got everything. Great pub food, a wonderful selection of draft beers, and a brilliant atmosphere, especially during Premier League matches. Check out the Three Lions Pub menu at threelionspub.com, where you can also find all their specials and the great events that take place throughout the year. Three Lions Pub, where across the pond is now across the street. 
Well, when you talk about firepower, you have to talk about arguably one of the greatest people to ever play the game of soccer when it comes to Major League Soccer. And that list has one name solely on the top by himself. It's Brian Dunseth. Uh, you probably have heard him on Sirius XMFC. You've seen him play for Real Salt Lake, for my New England Revolution. My, like I own the team. Uh, you know, I, I, maybe. That would, maybe we'd actually have a stadium by now if I own the team. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. But he joins us now here on theshopfutsal.com. Call in line. Brian, good afternoon. Good day to you. How are we doing, sir? I'm doing good, guys. Uh, ridiculous intro. Uh, there are guys with more talent in their pinky toe than I had in my entire body, but I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's all about the flattery because if we don't, I mean, it's part of your contract to come on to up front. If we don't give you at least a minute and a half intro, you won't come on the show. That's yeah, fair. <laughs> Slightly aggressive, but it's fair. <laughs> well, Brian, uh, we need to start close to home with you first before we go to the international level with the men's national team. Uh, Real Salt Lake announcing this week that they are moving on from their head coach. Uh, your thoughts about the RSL squad thus far and uh, on the firing as well. Yeah, you know, I, I picked the wrong month to cancel my GoGo internet on my Delta flight because I was flying back from MLS headquarters. And uh, when I landed in Salt Lake City, turned my phone on and it promptly melted in my hand. Uh, I had 33 text messages and over 200 mentions on Twitter, and I couldn't figure out what was happening. Uh, and then, obviously, when I started scrolling through texts, I saw everyone mentioning Jeff, uh, and I put two and two together. Um, probably, and I, and I spoke with Jeff yesterday morning, uh, if I'm going to use probably the wrong analogy, but I thought that there was a bit of a state of execution uh, when it came to the weekend's results because I thought Soren uh, Stoika, the referee, had an absolute debacle of uh, performance um, and really ruined the rhythm and the flow of that game against the LA Galaxy for both teams. It's not just a result um, conversation. But I saw elements in that game of Brooks Lennon and Bofo Sacedo, both U.S. under-20s, uh, with Yermont Sissi and Albert Rusnak that really led me to believe that the team was trending in the right direction. Now, when I saw the announcement itself, I saw the quotes from Craig, uh, Craig Weibel. Um, you know, he, he, he made it very clear from the start of preseason, the opening day, that there were certain targets that uh, he and the staff needed to see, the owner, Deloitte Hansen. Uh, and for one reason or another, what was ever on that checklist was not being checked off. Uh, so I, I said yesterday here on ESPN 700, our, our local affiliate, if you're going to make the move, make the move now. you still got, what, 31 games left. That's 91% of the season, if my math is correct, which I went to Cal State Fullerton for three semesters. So it'd be highly <laughs> suspect at any point. Um, now's the time to make it. Uh, there's a pushback from a vocal part of the fan base that said, well, then why did you give the extension in the offseason if the, the, the leash was that short? Um, again, I think when you lose Javier Morales and you lose Brito Martinez, but you retain Jeff Kassar, uh, there will be pressure immediately because they're going to look at the way the team backed into the playoffs last year and the fact it hasn't won yet. I thought they played well against Toronto uh, in the 0-0 result. I thought they were unlucky against Chicago with the two really weird goals, a back pass and a hard deflection. Um, and then this weekend with Kyle Beckerman being sent off in the first 33 minute, 43 minutes of the match. Um, I don't think the team is as bad as people make it out to be. I think it actually is significantly better than the team makes it out to be, or a lot of the, the, the pundits make it out to be. But the reality is, if they knew they were going to make the change, if there was a short list of guys that they thought would make this team significant, significantly better, now is the time to do it. Now the question is, Who's on that list for Craig Weibel? Mm -hmm. uh, is a couple of those names attached right now? And if so, are they willing to buy those guys out of their contract? Uh, and most importantly, what is kind of financially what these guys are looking for to be the head coach of Real Salt Lake, should they be interested? Well, speaking of that list, Brian, of course, we, we don't have Craig Weibel's list in front of us, but um, SB Nation, the RSL Soapbox, has list 11 options. Uh, I That's don't it? <laughs> that, that, yeah, <laughs> and I have, some of these I think are a bit unrealistic. Yeah. Uh, Nat Borchers, obviously, he was a great player for RSL, great player for yeah. Portland, but we know he's not going to be uh, given the reins. I got to believe that Mike Pecky, though, however, is is got to be one of those names at the top of the list, considering he's coaching the RSL uh, USL team right now. Yeah. Uh, some of the other names on here, just like to get your thoughts on, uh, is Bob Bradley realistic? Robin Frazier, of course, spent time with Brian the club. Dunseth. Brian, <laughs> Brian Dunseth. Would uh, you take that job? Just out of sheer no, curiosity. No accountability, man. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on the pundit side. We, there you go. Exactly. Do whatever you want. Everything's fine. 
<laughs> uh, Siggy Schmid's another one. And, yeah. You know, are, are those are those three? Well, I think they are realistic in your mind. And if if those were the three at the top of the list, which one of those do you go with? So let me let me layer the conversation for a second because RSL is kind of a weird organism when it comes to this talk about head coaches. So John Ellinger lasted two years basically, uh, and then Dave Checkett's decided to give Jason Christ the opportunity to step off the field as a captain on a Saturday and be the head coach on a Tuesday. So (laughs) believe that it it really changes the conversation. I think that's one of the reasons why um, number one for Jeff Kassar, it was such an incredible, incredibly difficult set of shoes to fill. Um, It's one of those where it's kind of like following Sir Alex Ferguson. Mm -hmm. uh, If you want to put the easiest analogy, like, you don't want to be David Moyes, and that's unfortunate with Jeff Kassar. Jeff Kassar was David Moyes. Um, now you don't that actually, that actually is a great analogy. That makes total you put sense. that in that perspective, that, that's a great way to say it, because Christ was so successful yeah. at RSL, uh, bringing home an MLS Cup and, and then heading and, out and, to uh, and, New York City. Yeah, and Jeff, Jeff Kassar was, is the perfect assistant coach, but the difficulty in following Jason was now you got to follow – the success um, you throw in the Bill Manning and the Garth Lagerway uh, president and general manager role along with that success. And as they leave and they go to Toronto and Seattle respectively, Craig Weibel comes in as assistant coach and then is named general manager. Um, so you throw, throw all that equation out the window. Nat Borchers uh, is a beloved figure uh, here in Salt Lake city and not just because of the beard, um, <laughs> but because of the success that he's had. Uh, so immediately there, every, there's going to be a vocal part of the fan base is going to say, well, he's, it doesn't matter if he doesn't have his badges or if it doesn't matter if he hasn't coached before, because look what we did with Jason Christ. So there's that, there's that weird kind of selection policy when it comes to, uh, the vocal minority of, of Twitter RSL fans. Robin makes sense because he was Jason's first assistant. Um, I feel like he and Wilmer Cabrera and anyone who coached, uh, or was a part of Chivas USA, gets an instant asterisk uh, next to their name because Chivas was a disaster. Um, Robin was in the running after Jason left, but they elected to go with with Jeff. Uh, Robin is successful right now with Greg Vanny uh, and TFC, and would he want to leave that project for another opportunity? Uh, and is there any hard feelings first time around uh, with it not going in his direction and uh, him going to the New York Red Bulls? Um, then you get into kind of Mike Pecky. Well, Mike Pecky was here at my house a couple weeks ago and we were talking about Real Monarchs and he just got back from his first trips with, with the Real Monarchs, the USL side for Real Salt Lake. But he's been out of coaching for two years at that level. Uh, I think he was hard done with the way he was treated at New York Red Bulls. I think he'll be a fantastic coach once again in MLS. But is there a slight hesitation for him being away for two seasons? Uh, then you get into Ziggy and Bob. I think Bob is the target of LAFC. Uh, I think that if there was ever a team that Bob would want to come back to, it would be LAFC. But I'm also of the firm belief that Bob is on the path less traveled. Uh, and I think that he's still pretty pissed off of how things ended at Swansea <laughs> yeah, City. So right. I'm not sure he wants to come back. And then Ziggy. I, I used another analogy last night. Imagine being a player and making 600 grand, and then all of a sudden uh, you get cut. And your next opportunity, someone says, I know you have experience. I know you're an elite player, at least you used to be, but are you willing to come back and, and play for 200 grand? From an egotistical standpoint, you know, you, you have to start thinking in that direction. Is a guy willing to walk away from what he was making previously from his last paycheck? I'm not saying that Deloitte Hansen isn't willing to pay Ziggy Schmidt the 600 grand or whatever he wanted to pay. I'm just not sure in Ziggy Schmidt's mind he's willing to take a step backwards from where he was at. Um, He has before with Columbus crew, but then he took a huge jump with Seattle. So all of these layers of conversations, I think fans have to start thinking about. Um, I I still think there's some outliers. Uh, Giovanni Savarisi deserves an opportunity, but will a very vocal new owner in the New York cosmos and what he came out yesterday with a flamethrower talking about U.S. soccer, is he willing to let Gino be? Um, Pat Noonan, Josh Wolf, Ante Razoff, Wade Barrett. What about some of these really talented uh, American assistant coaches who have been coming through the system? Uh, and then what about a college guy? So everyone will talk about Jeremy Gunn and what he's done at Stanford. Uh, 
I'm a big fan of Jamie Clark and what he's been doing at the University of Washington. And I think he could be just as successful as Caleb Porter has been in Major League Soccer. So whatever that list is, I think there's a lot of them. Um, I don't think it's easy just to say this has to be the guy because there's too many. It's like buying a house. You know, it's your agent. It's their agent. It's the seller. It's it's the guy doing your loan. It's the title guy. Uh, it's the guy who's recording. There's so many things that are out of your control. Um, but this has to happen by, I think, midweek of next week when uh, RSL is on the road at Minnesota uh, because I don't think you want to wait longer than 10 days for this to get done. And I mean, you, you make a bunch of valid points in that, in all honesty. I mean, right now, I mean, Real Salt Lake, if they were having the same success that they were having even five or six years ago, this, I think, would be a more hot commodity of, of a job. Right now, it's a struggling RSL team that, you know, frankly, is just one above Minnesota in the Western Conference standings right now, which isn't saying much. So, But, but real quick, uh, real quick, I don't need to cut in. The Go one ahead. thing to think about is Deloitte Hansen, the owner, is dropping $50 million on this academy in, in, in Salt Lake City. So basically the under eights all the way to the first team are going to be on the ground in SLC. That's the first time because it's been in Casa Grande and Martin Vasquez has been running that academy. Uh, you throw in the Monarchs being in stadium. Uh, I know it's dismissed because it's Salt Lake City. I'm not trying to play up the Homer part. I travel a lot. I see a lot of different teams in MLS. But I think this organization is much bigger. It's, it's going to clear about $14 million just in commercial dollars alone this season. Uh, TV market, we're pulling consistent fives uh, in this region, uh, and it's it's almost a regional deal with Idaho, uh, Vegas, Arizona, New Mexico. It's it's bigger than people realize, um, and I think the team is better than than people realize. Uh, it's just a matter of, like you said, you got to get you got to get off the schneid, and you got you got to start winning games. Well, but it is a great point that you make, Brian, in regards to uh, the academy. I mean, we see how well FC Dallas is doing uh, with their academy system. And, yes, you know, they use players from, from all over the place, which, you know, great yeah. for them. Uh, but but we do see how strong that club has gotten because of their academy system. And if you're a coach wanting, wanting, I guess what they always say in the press, a long-term project, as yeah. you're talking about, RSL looks to be that long-term project. Yeah, and, and Craig Weibel, um, I've spent a lot of time with Craig, and I, I think he's one of the best general managers in Major League Soccer. Um, there, There is a philosophy that's being put together right now for RSL from the bottom up. Uh, and the first person I was aware of doing it was was really Peter Vermes uh, in, in Sporting Kansas City, where there's an ideological step-by-step of how uh, you want to do the sport in Kansas City way. And I know that RSL is putting this together too. So it might not pay immediate dividends, although Jordan Allen and Justin Glad and Bofo Sacedo and Brooks Lennon and Danny Acosta, uh, you could throw all those names into the equation, especially with what we're seeing with the under-20s mm-hmm. um, over the last couple of, of, of cycles. Um, but this this is a starving market, uh, and and this market has a lot of good players, but – institutionally it hasn't had the coaching structure that's necessary um and i think as long as you're going in the same direction it doesn't matter uh south american north american european uh african whatever the background is from the coaches uh from where they were born uh as long as everybody understands that you're heading in the same direction you're pulling in the same direction uh, and you're kind of fast tracking from training sessions to um you know, how, how how you're dealing with strength and conditioning, nutrition, um, going from video analysis. Uh, we're, we're in a whole new world. And if you would have told me in 97 when I was training at Brandeis University uh, with Thomas Rungan that this was the way that we were going, uh, I, I would have told you you're 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 that ish crazy and you're out of your mind. <laughs> All right, Brian, before we let you run here, um, we have the United States taking on Honduras in a very crucial clash uh, over the weekend here. Uh, Your thoughts briefly about the squad that Bruce Arena has assembled and the United States' chances as well in a very uh, important, pivotal game. Yeah, uh, I agree with what you guys were saying earlier about uh, Albert Elise as well as Kyoto. Um, You throw in Bonia Garcia, uh, you throw in Roger Espinosa. Um, This is a very, very talented Honduran team, and and I don't think it's getting enough credit. Uh, I know everyone's saying it's three points at home and you're going to go and 
maybe get three points, maybe just get a point, but four points out of these two games uh, with Panama on the backside, it's going to be much more difficult than people are giving it credit for. You start with Jermaine and Timmy Chandler suspended for that first match. Then you throw in Bobby Wood and Fabian Johnson injured, Brad Guzan uh, celebrating the birth of, of his second child, a little girl, two days ago. And I'm a huge fan of Bruce Arena. Everything that he does, they will go in with style, substance, identity, uh, structure, even with missing these players. But it's not going to be as easy as people think. Uh, CONCACAF is significantly, drastically better than it's ever been. Uh, it's not just one or two guys. It, it's not just Mexico home and away and Costa Rica at Ricardo Saprissa Stadium where the, the suspect results come into play. It's everywhere, and we've already seen that uh, and how good Costa Rica and Mexico are. Still plenty of points left on the board. Um, question is, who plays it right back with DeAndre Yedlin out injured? I think Jeff Cameron's over on that side. Does he go with Omar and John Brooks centrally? I think Bees is at left. Timmy's obviously in goal. I think Michael Bradley sits. I think Sebastian Legette, Polistic wide right. Uh, Jonathan Agby wide left. Sorry, I'm thinking about it as I'm looking in the distance. I keep shaking my uh, head, though. I keep shaking my head. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That sounds right. Yes. Sasha, <laughs> question underneath Josie Altador um, is how I think they'll line up. Um, I hope Michael Orozco doesn't see the field. Uh, I hope Wando doesn't see the field. I hope we're going in a different direction. No disrespect to those guys. Well, no, I, I, those 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 are two guys who produce very well for their clubs. But anytime we yeah. see them at the national team level, they just they don't do Doesn't anything for the well. team. Yeah, Timmy Chandler, Timmy Chandler as well. Uh, <laughs> yes. So yeah, I, I think that's the, I, in my mind that's that's how I'm kind of preparing for for how the team will line up without any insider information. Uh, but again, I, I caution everyone to to dismiss Honduras uh, because it. Like you guys said, even though they went up, uh, even though uh, Fernando Adi and Diego Valeri are absolutely dicing up people left and right, and they came back from uh, that that result in Portland. Uh, if you've been watching Kubo Torres and, and Elise and, and Kyoto up top, it, it's been frightening to see how dynamic and how dangerous they can be. And absolutely, what a handful! What a handful they will be for that back four of the United States. Absolutely. Do you have a score prediction for us before we let you run? I'm terrible at that. Uh, I'm I'm horrible. It's more fun that way then. Uh, I think there's points. I'm, okay, I'll I'll be a homer. I'll say it's three points for the United States. But again, I caution you. Honduras is better than people give them credit. For. Well, well, on top of on top of the MLS players you mentioned, you know they, they do have a, a player in La Liga. They got players in uh, okay. Liga MX. So as you're saying, Brian, this and this is what I've been preaching as well. Is this this is a strong team, this Honduran team, and it. Uh, yeah. It's so easy to sit back and say, "Well, we're we're playing at home." Well, we lost to Mexico. Yeah. Well, and, and on top of years. that, uh, I'm going to take you back a year, really quick. Think about Honduras in the under 23 Olympic qualifying tournament, uh, and they pushed aside the United States out here at, right, at Rio Tinto Stadium, and a lot of that was on the shoulders of Albert Elise. So afterwards, uh, I was listening to the coach do his post game press conference. And he was asked a, a really pointed question. He said, what's the difference between U.S. players and Honduras players at this age? And he said something that really stuck with me, and it, and it went back to a conversation I had had with Caleb Porter a few years ago. He said, in the United States, at Christmas, kids are given iPhones and Xboxes. In Honduras, they're given soccer balls. Mm -hmm. um, and this kind of went back to a conversation I had had a, a previous cycle uh, ago with Caleb Porter. And Caleb said, I knew we were in trouble when I was on the bike and I looked out and the coach, our final opponent, I believe it was El Salvador. Maybe it was, El, yeah, I think it was El Salvador. Uh, and they just needed the result. They said, I was watching the coach have their conversation with the players. And he said, there was a look in their eyes that I'd never seen in a U.S. player's eyes. Mm. Um, and it kind of goes back to, you know, this conversation about Bradenton and under 17s and $200 cleats and coddled players and the dynamic of desire and, providing for family um and is there just a little bit of something that that the u.s player is missing at that international level the full international level uh I, I think it's a different conversation but i do think there's something that we constantly dismiss when it comes to CONCACAF, uh especially in world cup qualifying that maybe there's there's something just a little bit lacking in in the u.s camp all right, Brian. Well, we appreciate your time. Uh, where can people continue to listen to you and find you on social media as well to stay up to date with the latest wherever, soccer news? 
Yeah, wherever they'll offer me a job. Uh, <laughs> with Tony Miola on Counterattack 5 to 7 Eastern is probably the most frequent. Sounds good, Brian. Always appreciate your time, sir. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. Right, thanks, Brian. There goes Brian Dunseth on the shopfutsal.com call in line. Your thoughts about uh, what Adam says here on Facebook among the, the, the thought the qualifiers, Mexico versus Costa Rica. Adam wants to know your, your, your general thoughts about, about that game. Uh, he says El Tre versus the Ticos. I mean, arguably, you're looking at some of the very biggest and brightest in the CONCACAF region. Uh, of course, Costa Rica surprising many people at the, at the World Cup back in 2014. But Mexico, I feel like, is still the better team overall. Uh, do you see Mexico still being the clear favorite in this game? Yeah, it all depends on how they handle the uh, the injuries that they've dealt with, Baxter. Uh, the thing about Costa Rica is they were the best team in the last World Cup that we had. Correct. Uh, they've continued to be strong. Uh, to me, this is this actually is the game in CONCACAF right now. Agreed. Um, which way does it go? I, I honestly don't know. Who was the listener again? Uh, Adam. Adam. Adam, I've got to be honest with you. I haven't looked too much into this game. So I'm going to do that during uh, our interview with yeah. Tesho, the pre-recorded interview, which we're going to play in a bit. Yep. I'm going to do a little bit of research and then come back and give my opinion on that, if that works. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, speaking of that interview, uh, earlier this last week, Simon and I had a chance to have a phone call interview with Tesho Akindeli of FC Dallas uh, to catch up on everything going on in his life, to uh, catch up with what's been going on with FC Dallas as well, too. Uh, that was the, the night after, is that correct? Or the, no, the day, no, the morning of? When was the for the Pachuca game? That was the uh, yeah the day after the day we, after. We, we so we got to, we got a chance to speak with him the day after uh, FC Dallas beat Pachuca two one in the first of the two legs of the CCL semifinals. Uh, so take a look at the interview here uh, as we had a chance to sit down with Tesha Wackendelli. Hi everybody! Happy St. Patrick's Day! Welcome to Two Up Front for a very special edition, a, a sneak peek interview between uh, myself and this gentleman sitting to my left. How are we doing today, Simon? I'm good, Baxter. How about yourself? Doing well. Happy ha St. Patrick's happy Day. Happy St. Patty's Day to all you out there today. I was going to say, I feel like we needed the Irish accent for Simon to come out here early <laughs> on in to. the show. You have to. You do a good one too, so oh, it works thanks. out well for you. So Thank you. we've got a we've got a special uh, luck of the Irish treat here for you folks today, as we are going to uh, have a, an interview here in just a brief moment uh, with FC. Dallas forward Tesho Akindeli. Uh, we're going to speak to him in just a moment, uh, but we do want to let you guys know that this uh, will be also airing on our show, uh, our normal edition of Two Up Front uh, on Wednesday from 10 to 11 a.m. Central Time live on Brew Sports. So if you haven't liked Brew Sports yet, that's where you can find us uh, on Wednesdays now from 10 to 11 Central. So make sure to go do that so you can catch this full interview uh, there in just a little bit. So uh, some exciting stuff here, Simon. Uh, FC Dallas uh, continuing to uh, be the powerhouse, as, as you like to call them at times as well. Absolutely. Uh, and we are going to be joined uh, on the shopfootsell.com call in line by FC Dallas striker and Canadian international uh, Tesho Akindali. Tesho, welcome to Two Up Front, sir. How are we doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. We are excited to have you on the program today. Uh, how's how's everything going so far? The first two games uh, of the season in the bag for FC Dallas. Uh, you've been able to appear in both the games, once as a starter, once as a super sub. How are you feeling so far? How's the body feeling? Are you getting back into that regular season routine now? I mean, I think so far so good. You know, we've, we had two on the road so far, and we got four points out of that. I think that's good. And then, you know, looking at the CONCACAF Champions League, we got a we got a win in our first semifinal game, and now we have to go play in Mexico in a couple weeks. But I think everything is looking really good, and the team's definitely feeling positive. Tesha, you've appeared in every single competitive game so far in this young season, uh, going 90 minutes in that second leg against Arube Unido. Uh, other times, you're you're coming in, understandably, as a substitute with the incredibly strong midfield that FC Dallas has. Are you comfortable with that role? Are you hoping to uh, get more minutes as the season progresses? Yeah, I guess everybody's everybody's goal is obviously to be a starter, you know. But at this point, the team sees me as the first half of the bench, which is it's not a, it's not a bad place to be. I think that kind of what the coaches are hoping for is that I can bring some energy and you know bring some some kind of attacking power to the team when maybe our team is tired and their defense is tired. Like for example, one of our our first game of the season, I came on and I had two two assists in the last fifteen minutes of the game, so. I think that's kind of what the, what the role they want me in right now, so I think I'm doing that well. 
I'm talking with Tesho Akindeli here on the shopfootsell.com call in line. Tesho, FC Dallas right now sitting in fourth place in the Western Conference. Of course, plenty, plenty of time to go here in this the regular season just is starting to kick off. How has the team overall embraced all of the hype from uh, last season going into this season, basically being called as the outright you know favorite to win MLS Cup this season? Yeah, I think it's just one of those things that we got to deal with. You know, I think we know we're a good team, so all the hype doesn't really doesn't really get to us too much. And then as far as being in fourth, you know, we've played two games on the road, so to be in fourth after playing two tough in-conference games on the road isn't bad at all. And then we'll have a, a home game this weekend, which, you know, we'll be looking for all three points in that one. Well, of course, one of the things you have to compliment is Oscar Pereira's job with, with shuffling your lineups. I mean, going to Sporting Kansas City, not playing all the starters, but, uh, but again, you yourself playing, playing, I believe, the full 90 in that game and coming out with a draw. That really is a testament to FC Dallas knowing that you do have these important Champion League, Champions League matches going on. And, and I, I do want to focus a little bit on that. You guys got a great win against Pachuca coming back down 1-0 early on. Uh, coming back 2-1, you got a few minutes yourself to close out that game. 2-1, though, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty, uh, I don't want to say scary scoreline, but for lack of a better phrase, a little bit of a, a scary scoreline heading into Mexico with knowing that Pachuca's got that away goal on you now. Uh, what do you have to do as a club to, to come over Pachuca, who, of course, is a very strong Mexican side? Yeah, I think, you know, we know that's going to be a tough game because even here they gave us a lot of problems. Obviously, they started the game ahead. One thing that we're going to do is we're, I think we're planning on going down to Mexico a little bit early because there's a lot of altitude over there. So we're going to try to go and get acclimated to the altitude a little bit. And then, I mean, at the end of the day, if we don't lose, we, we go through. So, you know, we get a tie, we get a win over there, we're good. So if it comes down to the last 15 minutes and we're tied, I think it'll be all hands on deck and just bunker in maybe. But if not, I think we still believe that we have the talent to kind of go out there and try to score a goal ourselves. What is your overall plan for this upcoming season, Tesho? I know that last season, of course, you could just continue to build on the success that you've had in your career in MLS, but uh, now that you are, to an extent, a little bit more of a seasoned veteran here for FC Dallas, uh, have you had conversations with Coach Pereira, or have you just set goals for yourself that uh, you're going to do your best to exceed this season, whether it be a goal tally or minutes played or just games that you help contribute in overall? What are, what are some of the things that you're trying to accomplish this season? I think I, I want to score a few more goals this season than I did last season. I think for, for my first three years, you know, I've been hovering around seven or eight goals. So hopefully maybe I can break into ten goals is what I want. And then I also want to start a few more games, which is you know, something the coaches are obviously aware of. And I think right now I'm pushing for that starting spot, but we have, we have so many good players on our team that, you know, I, at, at this point it's understandable that I'm not starting, but I think, you know, that's kind of my goal is to just become a starter of this team. And now that I'm in my fourth season, I think it's about time. Shifting to the international game, Tesho, uh, big news out of Canada. Of course, Octavio Sombrano named the head coach. It's been, it's been a little while, and Canada heading into the Gold Cup this summer. Uh, it's, it's been a little while since you've been with the Canadian, Canadian team. Don't know if you had time to take this in at all, but would love to hear your thoughts on the, uh, the coaching assignment. Yeah, I think I'm excited to have a new coach. I think we kind of it's kind of a good time for a new coach to come in because now that we're out of the World Cup qualifying, we have a long time to regroup and kind of figure out where the program is at before the next World Cup qualifying cycle. And, you know, with so many young players and good players, I think it's going to give him a lot of time to evaluate what we have. I, I don't know him personally that well, but I'm sure that he's a great coach. I'm, I'm excited to start working with him. What would you say, just as an overall kind of a question here, um, what would you say has been the, the main crutch of the Canadian national team the last couple of years? Because it always seems like they have fairly young, talented, exciting rosters, but they just can't put the pieces together. And Simon and I have talked about this on the show multiple mm -hmm. times as well. We, we, we really do root for, for Canada because we love the young talent on the team, but from your perspective as someone that's a little bit closer to it, do you know or can you potentially identify what some of the issues have been that you haven't been able to attain as much success as people thought you would? Yeah, I would say definitely the final third is where we've been struggling, which is, I mean, right now it's kind of surprising because you have people like Kyle Lahrens, St. Ricketts, myself, I mean, just Jonathan Osorio, a lot of good attacking players. But we haven't been scoring goals. Like if you can look at the last goal cup, we scored zero goals, but we only conceded one. So our defense has been doing great. 
and you know, it's kind of up to me and the other guys on offense to start scoring. But I think that's one of the things that will come over time because, like I said, we're young. None of us have really played together before, so as we kind of get more camps together, more time playing with each other, things will start clicking, and I think we have the talent to start putting the pieces together. Well, uh, Tasho, as we uh, we get ready to let you go here, we do want to be the first, a little, although it'd be a little early, to wish you a happy birthday here in the uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, March thirty first will be your, oh, your birthday, it. so uh, an, early, <laughs> an early happy birthday to you, sir. And uh, we certainly appreciate you coming back on the show as well, too. And we wish you and FC Dallas the very best of luck, and hope we can check in with you as well come mid season after you've broken the single season goal scoring record. So we look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah. And Tesho, yeah, I, I personally... So. Thanks for having me on, guys, and happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate thank you. It. And I personally want to wish you the best of luck in the CONCACAF Champions League. Love to see an MLS team win this someday, and I certainly believe that FC Dallas has the talent to do it. So, so good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. There goes Tesho Akindeli on theshopfutsal.com. Call in line. A very special thanks to him and FC Dallas for making this interview possible. Thanks to all of you as well that tuned in here on our Two Up Front page. Make sure to tune in to the full episode of Two Up Front this Wednesday from 10 to 11 a.m. Central Time live on Bruce Sports. He's Simon Proven. I'm Baxter Colburn. Thanks to Tesho Akindeli. We'll talk to you guys next time on Two Up Front. Have a great St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Great to hear there from Tesho Akindeli of FC Dallas. Just a class act, as we mentioned before we obviously went into the interview, Simon. Uh, now that you've had a little bit more time to digest it, anything else that Tesho said in his interview that kind of stuck out to you more about him or FC Dallas going forward? Well, I, I, I love the idea of what he's talking about with uh, you know the, the whole idea of, yes, he's a super sub and, and he's okay with that, but right. ultimately... He does want to be in the starting 11 at some point. That's what every soccer player right, aims absolutely. for at some point. So, uh, again, just going back to how honest he's being with that, yet also being honest with where he is in the team. Exactly. No, yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. All right, you wanted to answer Adam's question uh, before we get to our MLS uh, predictions and everything, and I believe to close out the show. So, right. did you get? Any, did you find anything? You know, it, it, here's here. I got to say one thing. I got to say one thing is U.S. media does not do a great job covering <laughs> Costa Rica, which which is a complete shame considering. They are, on paper right now, like literally in the standings, the best team in CONCACAF. I do, what, what I'm looking at here, of course, the game is at Azteca, which, yes, some teams got hard, results. Hard place to win. Right. Some teams have gotten results there, including Costa Rica in 2001, U.S. getting a draw in the last World Cup qualifying cycle. However, it is Azteca. It is a fortress for Mexico. And, yes, Mexico does have a slew of injuries, Giovanni Dos Santos being one of yep. those. Uh, Guidardo, who was named to the roster five days ago, is now we're now being told isn't going to be playing. Uh, the, the biggest question mark for Mexico right now is the lack of fullbacks. Mm. The rest of the squad... This just goes to show the depth of Mexico. They're, they're deep in every single position, so I don't think you worry about any of that. So I do think defensively, if you're Mexico, that's where you worry. When, you, when Costa Rica does have players like uh, Johan Venegas, who of course plays at uh, Manchester United up top, uh, Brian Ruiz, the great midfielder playing over in, in, in Portugal. A timeless midfielder that just never will retire. So as we were talking about Honduras versus the U.S., you can't take them lightly. Mexico certainly shouldn't be taking Costa Rica lightly. And right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see Costa Rica end up winning this game with the firepower that that Costa Rica does have. And I, I agree with you on that one. Ultimately, if you're able to exploit the defensive issues that uh, the Mexican national team has right now, I mean, this is the time to do it. If you want to continue to establish yourself as a high power, not only in CONCACAF, but in world soccer, beating a team like Mexico is a great thing to put on your soccer resume, especially come World Cup time, especially come just international, you know, favor as a whole basically right and of course costa rica number one mexico number two yeah. in the hex standing so whoever wins this game can can almost seal their ticket that was, that's the Russia. goal exactly that's all right simon looking back at the week that was in major league soccer i'm going to be honest it was probably an, an awful week for me when it came to predictions i went two I, and nine i got two games on you this week you did <laughs> you uh i still am overall better overall, by, yes. by one point uh, you went four and seven i went two and nine in our mls predictions uh, two draws this last week, NYCFC in Montreal and Colorado, Minnesota, as we talked about earlier. Uh, I thought maybe, and then I, then I woke up that, you know, FC Dallas was going to lose to the Revolution. Obviously, that was not the case because even though that penalty kick goal was great, Maxi Rudy would go on to just be named the player of the week because that's what he does is dash the hopes and dreams of everybody that's a New England Revolution fan. Yeah, Let it, us win a game! If you're a Portland fan, you look at how well Rudy did this week for FC Dallas, you look at how well Rodney Wallace did for New York City FC, yeah. and you go, oh, maybe we should have... 
up the ante <laughs> and kept those guys in Portland. That, those are that's always those moves that you're just like, why did we get rid of them? But Baxter, I I, I feel for you as a fan of the New England Revolution. They are it's painful. I, I'm going to say it. They are the most irrelevant team in all of Major League Soccer. It's true. No, I, I really have don't even argument against that, honestly. I mean, the only reason the Minnesota is relevant is the fact that they are the expansion team, so they are just more talked about than the Revolution. But well, if they're you're also the, getting 35,000 people to a game that has also you know, a foot of snow. Also helps, yeah. The, the biggest thing with the Revolution, we could go on for hours about this, honestly, is that the owners don't care. The players are not enjoying playing for the team just because it, they feel devalued. There's so many different issues that the Revolution have. Maybe it's a coaching problem. I don't think it is. I really just think that the players find it hard to play for an organization when they know at the end of the day that the owners just don't care how they do. Well, let, let me say this, Baxter, uh, just because I know we've got to wrap up soon. My, my three results of the week that really surprised me, yeah. Sporting Kansas City beating San Jose, who has been hot. Didn't Sporting see that. Sporting Kansas City beating them 2-1. Of course, Dom Dwyer, big news there. He is officially an American citizen, so he does got to file paperwork to hopefully get called up by the U.S. national team. And with the slew of injuries, look, I'd much rather see a Dom Dwyer called up than a Chris Wondolowski. Any day. Uh, LA Galaxy topping Real Salt Lake, which, of course, led to Jeff Cesar's Kassar. Cesar? 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 Led, led to his firing, so Alex finally gets job. some points. But Seattle, 3-1 <sighs> over the New York Red Bulls. Flexing their at, muscles. At what, point, at what point, as a Red Bulls fan, as the head coach, do you go, ooh, maybe we should have kept Dax? I think you are doing to that, ask that question. I think so now. I mean, when I mean, but you also can. I, I can see how they would justify to being like, "Look, guys, it was the reigning MLS Cup champions." Like, you know, it, it happens. You know, national TV. Like, yeah, it happens. But where was the midfield? Well, where was the midfield? And it, you say that at the same time, Jordan Morris is injured in this game. He yeah. stays in, even though his dad, who's the, the 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 medical doctor of the team, and and the coaches are all saying you really should come out of the game. And Jordan say, no, nah, I want to stay in. And then he goes out and scores. So great story for him. But if you're in New York Red Bulls, letting an injured player score. That says, that says trouble. a lot. Big trouble. Big <laughs> that says trouble. a lot about the state of your defense in the midfield as a whole. So I think the Red Bulls are just fine. I mean, they've already won two games, so they're not like it's not like they haven't won a game all year. But sure. losing to an injured, beaten, battered Seattle Sounders is embarrassing and something that they're going to want to forget immediately. How amazing is this, though, to look at the standings and you see Atlanta United <laughs> sitting atop of the Eastern Conference? Oh, my gosh. I, Orlando and Atlanta, one, you know, one, two, basically, one two. and then Portland, FC Dallas. The West makes a little bit more sense, but then you, you look at the East, and we already know the East makes no sense anyway, and it's just like, what is going on? Although, you know, we did talk about Jason Christ needing more than just that half year that he right. had in Orlando to really set into motion what he wants to do, and so far it's playing out. You know, we, we talk about Portland being 3-0. and Well, Orlando's only played two games and, and they're sitting at 2-0. and Yeah. And oh, And I that's guess. basically without Kaká the entire time. I know he played in that first game, but he got injured. I think it was like 30 to 40 minutes into that first game. So realistically, you're 2-0 you're and without arguably your best player on the field. So you have to feel pretty good about that if you're Orlando going forward. Absolutely. Taking down the Philadelphia Union. And that's one thing. Okay, it was you the beat Union. Philly. But they, they beat Philly 2-1. The ninth two to place one. team. What we do need to see is Orlando on the road. How are they when they that's get on the, the road? That's the big thing. That's what I'm curious to see about as well, too. All right, not a lot of predictions to get to this week because of the international break. Uh, you do have, of course, the big game in the sense that you have United States-Honduras uh, and Scotland-Canada. We'll talk about both of those games here briefly. Uh, who do you have in, in both of those games? Well, I am uh, of Scottish descent, so I got I got to go with my I can't say my home country, but uh, you know my my but the, the the country of my culture. I'm yes. going with Scotland. I'm going to runs go, in the blood. You know they're not that great of a squad either, but I'm going to go. Uh, let's say. 3-1 Scotland. It's you you and I that say this. That is in-depth analysis right there Baxter. Because I'm Scottish, go Scotland. It's like, yes, absolutely. It's going to be great if it's not Scottish. The heck with it. <laughs> Uh, you and I say this all the time. We really, really want Canada to be good. We do. We really do. Well, it's it's good for the U.S. team. It's good it for is. Mexico. It's good for Costa Rica. The better that Canada is, because that makes all of Concacaf better. And the better that Concacaf gets, it it challenges everybody else to up their game. Exactly. Canada, you suck. Scotland's going to find a way to win this it, game. Let me let me say this. I, That's I my analysis. <laughs> other, other than for the fact that they're they're the third largest country, maybe second largest country in North America. Yeah. 
They should not. If Costa Rica has to qualify to get into the Gold Cup, Mex or Canada should have to qualify to get into the Gold Cup. And for that matter, I'd be cool with everybody having to qualify I to think get you into should. the Gold Cup. I completely agree with you on that. Yeah, Scotland, a much better squad. They're going to come over with this victory. Um, USA-Honduras, I think it's going to be a draw. I think what Brian said, Honduras is going to push the U.S. to the limits, and they might exploit them a couple times. But the U.S. Uh, always finds a way at times to either get the lead back or to, to lose the lead late and then ultimately end up with a draw. Yeah, the one thing about Bruce Arena teams is they always believe in themselves. They do. And, and I think that's going to go far away. We haven't seen that American belief in the U.S. team mm-hmm. for a while. And, and actually, you know, people are going to say, oh, that's a, you know, going against Klinsman again. It It isn't. It isn't. It's just that the fact that when Arena was at the helm, yes, they didn't do great in 06, but let's not forget that quarterfinal finish they had in 02. And that mainly came from Bruce Arena getting these guys to believe that they really could beat anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's not going to be pretty, but I do see the U.S. coming out on top. It's going to be a close one. I'm going to go 2-1 United States. Okay, doke. Uh, moving on to the three Major League Soccer games uh, for the weekend. Uh, the battle of the two terribles is uh, Minnesota United and the Revolution playing host uh, in that one. Look, they both are terrible. Uh, the Minnesota United want to redeem themselves after just an absolute onslaught of goals they've allowed do I think they could beat the Revolution? Yes. Do I want them to? No. Who's my pick? The Revolution are going to hopefully win this game because they have the better of the two firepowers. And even though the Revolution's defense has been bad this season, the Loons' defense has been non-existent. So I find the Revolution barely, because that's classic Revolution fashion, barely winning this game. It'll probably be a 2-1 or a 3-2 sort of a debacle. Well, let's not forget, Baxter, that Minnesota United is going to lose Venegas for this game as well. And I think actually that's that's the biggest factor. They're also going to be losing Francisco Calvo uh, as well as Rasmus Schuler. So they're, they're going to see at least three of their players. Right. Gone from that roster, Venegas perhaps being the more important one. Uh, so I think the Revolution actually have an easier time with Minnesota than, than you're expecting them how to. Many, how many people do the Revs have called up? Oh, wait, nobody. That's right. Because You're right. It just skips right over the yep. New England Revolution. <laughs> Classic. Well, here's the thing. These are the games that New England has to take advantage of. You have of to win. Like, like I said, um, do I? yes, I think anal- you know, from an analytical perspective, yes, they should win the game. As a fan, I'm not expecting much. <laughs> Which is sad to right, say. Right. It's very Although, sad to say. It could turn out to be if 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 to you entertainment is purely about goals, this could be one of the more exciting That's games. That's true. Of the this season. could be like a, a, a four or five total goal game. Like definitely tune in if you get the opportunity to. All right, real fast, we're almost out of time. Red sure. Bulls, RSL, uh, Colorado, Portland. I've got the Red Bulls because they're at home. Uh, I think they're doing better. RSL's floundering. Portland. Uh, is going to go to Columbus and win this game uh, because I don't think anybody can stop the Timbers right now. Well, the Red Bulls, I I also agree, are going to win, uh, especially because Real Salt Lake will not have their awesome goalkeeper in goal, Nick Romando, who True. will, of course, be He's the savior. with the U.S. team. Uh, I think i got to go with the same same for same Baxter. Portland, yeah, they're not going to have Negby. They're not going to have Guzman. But that midfield does have depth. You're still going to have right. Valeri. You're, I can't remember if Blanco is injured or not, if he's still remember. playing. But you got AD. You got the back line that's that's still pretty strong. It's a Roy good, Miller has, you're going to be has, good. Yeah, Roy Miller has not been called up to the Costa Rican national team. Yeah. So you still have him him in the back. I've got Portland as well. All right, Panama USA next Tuesday. Oh, we're doing that one already. I figured we'd throw that one in there as well, sure, too, since sure. we're, it'll be before we get to a show. Uh, I've got USA winning this game because... Uh, I think that they're going to now have that set, that game under under their belts uh, with taking on a very tough Honduras team that I think that they're going to have a lot built up to go and uh, get the ultimate victory that they need to against Panama. Yeah, as Dunseth, can we start calling him Dunny yet? I don't know if we're on I that think level. We're on that level. He's been he's been uh, on enough times. Right, right. So you know, one of the things he talked about is Concacaf being tough, and, and Panama is not an easy team to uh, mm-hmm. to get wins over either at home. I'm going to go with a draw, Baxter. I think, I think the U.S. gets the four points that they're hoping to get. Much rather see six, but I'm, I'm going to take a draw on this one. Okay, doke. Well, let us know your predictions and thoughts about anything we talked about here in the comment section below. Uh, of course, you can do it as well on our Facebook page as well. A uh, special thanks to Tesha Wackendelli of FC Dallas for joining us uh, today on the shopfootsell.com call-in line as well as Sirius XM FC's Brian Dunseth as well, too, for stopping by. Great to have all of them. If you missed any of the show today, you can find it on our uh, Facebook page uh, on Two Up Front. You can also find it, of course, uh, on the Bruce Sports Facebook page as well. And their, and their uh, website, that's the word I'm looking for, brewsportsnet.com. <laughs> of course, we're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com, all over the place if you want to just get the audio podcast of the show as well. I think we have something else we have to I say. I believe. Here. 
Read an I Believe? Yeah, we, we were talking about doing an I Believe. I believe that one of these days I'll remember how to do the show. <laughs> no, I, I, I... What do I believe? I believe that Atlanta is going to make the playoffs. I don't think I said that at the beginning of the season, but based off the first three games of the year, I do believe Atlanta United is going to make a huge impact in Major League Soccer this year, much more than we thought or were probably going to give them credit for before the season started. All right, I believe that in that Panama game, we will see a Chris Wondolowski appearance. Always... Love me some Wando. No, you true. don't. I don't. Listen, I, really don't. I love him in Major League Soccer. Yes. He's wonderful in Major League Soccer. He's, he's one of the best forwards of all time yes. in Major League Soccer. But it's, it's about what does he do with the U.S. national team. Exactly. Not much, unfortunately. Unfortunately not. But the one thing he does do, I will say this, okay? The one thing he does do is he likes to score against the minnows. Now, is Panama really a minnow? Uh, they're, they're on the cusp of, of being Minnow-y. more of a CONCACAF powerhouse, if you will. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I still think they're at that level that Wondolowski feels incredibly confident playing in. I agree. I completely agree. Well, I hit all the stuff for people to find us at. Where, uh, where do they find us on the social media side? Of yeah, they find us on Facebook, 2UpFront. Find us on Twitter as well, at 2UpFrontSoccer. And by the way, if you want to email us, do so at, well, not at, but 2UpFrontSoccer at gmail.com. There you go. That's always the hard part. Like, you can find me on Twitter at at. It's like, no, it's like, what? And then we sound like we're talking Star Wars. Yes, exactly. They're attacking. Ah, the edits. And all uh, the geeks are saying, no, it's AT-AT. And then I'm giving my geekdom away. Sorry, everybody. Figure it out, Star Wars. <laughs> figure it out. Anyway, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. He's Simon Provan. I'm Baxter Colburn with our manager being the one above. We are two up front. Like the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.